Welcome to the Sunday Sermons Podcast. It was recorded on a Sunday morning at Morrison Hill Christian Church in Kingston, Tennessee. Our prayer is that the truths and strategies presented in this message will equip you to become a more fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening. Once again, good morning and welcome to Morrison Hill Christian Church. If you're joining us online or you're here in person, we are so thankful for every one of you. We're proud of you for uh, staying committed to God, keeping it a priority to keep meeting together, whether you're joining us online or in person. Uh, This is something that we need. This is something that God has designed us around. This is part of our DNA as we have to keep connecting with God himself and with other people who believe in him. We've got to keep recharging. We've got to keep doing this. And we're so thankful that you are doing that. We're so thankful to be able to play a role in helping that happen in each one of your lives. I don't know if you guys like watching documentaries. I I probably like them more than anybody else I know. I like to learn. And even when I'm relaxing, I'm learning. But uh, you've probably seen at least a few documentaries where you see animals like in Africa all drinking from the same water hole. And you'll see like a lion over here and there's like a zebra over here and an antelope over here. And they're kind of all eyeing each other a little bit suspiciously, but they're all drinking from the same water hole. Does does this sound familiar, that image? Doesn't it kind of feel like that everywhere right now? It makes me really sad. I, I really, it's just so heartbreaking. But you go to the grocery store or you go to Lowe's or you go to anywhere else and everybody's just kind of going, are you the prey or the predator? <laughs> and, and God forbid it feels that way here. This is a place where it's got to be safe. It's got to be good. We're so thankful to have you guys, all of you here and all of you joining us in whatever capacity. And whatever fears we have, whatever uh, burdens we have, it's so important that we remember that we've got to connect with God and his people. Somehow, that's the only solution. So again, I'm I'm just thanking you, blessing you. That's where we're starting today. Uh, And and it's part of what we're doing this whole summer is remembering that at the end of it all, the only hope that any of us have is to keep resyncing with our Heavenly Father. When Jesus taught us to pray, he he didn't so much teach us what to pray as how to pray. I'm going to say that one more time, try and make sure it makes sense. We're going to move a little fast because many of you have been through this part of what I'm saying several weeks in a row now. But I want to make sure we lay that foundation for what comes next. But Jesus, when he taught us what we call the Lord's Prayer, I think it's very appropriate and beautiful, very personally meaningful to me to recite it. But that wasn't his whole dream. That wasn't what he had in mind. He was teaching us how to approach God, not what to say when you approach him. And what what I mean by that is this. We are supposed to come to God remembering that he is our heavenly father. He is our father. He's where we get our identity, where we get our purpose, where he's our ultimate authority. He's got a heavenly perspective. He's the ultimate spiritual GPS, which is why we have that recalculating image that you keep seeing. It's our prayers are where we give him the opportunity to go. No, you're a little off track over here. Come back. Get in line. No, you're a little off track over here. Come back. Get in line. And our hope for unity, our hope to not only survive but to thrive, no matter what's going on in the world, is if all of us collectively as God's people resync ourselves on our Heavenly Father. 
And we pray that his name be praised. That his kingdom will come. That his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We recommit ourselves daily that that is what we're here to do. If he gives us one more day on this earth, one more week on this earth, one more month on this earth, one more decade, a hundred years, whatever he gives us, that we are here to make that happen. And building on that foundation is where we're going this morning. The next thing Jesus told us to pray was to approach God and ask for our daily bread. And depending on what English translation you're using, you might see the word bread and you might see something more like needs, our daily needs. We're, we're saying this morning, provide our daily needs. Both of those are correct. The, the Greek word is literally bread, but it symbolized daily needs. The idea of daily bread meant to the original hearers, the original people who would have heard Jesus say this and also, also read it in the first century, to break bread together, to eat bread together symbolized this is what sustains us in life. This is what we need to not only survive but to thrive every day. Here in America, there's, it's pretty easy to get bread. Uh, in Papua New Guinea, where I was growing up, we were many miles away from anywhere you could buy store-bought bread, but my mom used to make bread, and man, was that stuff good. She learned very quickly, though, not to bake on the right before lunchtime, because if she baked right before lunchtime, we could, we could take care of one or two whole loaves of fresh-baked sourdough bread in one setting where it could last several days. How many know what I'm talking about? You're a fresh-baked bread oops, cut it just a little too thick there. Guess I'll just have to make the sandwich that way. It's, it's, it's hard. But there's something, there's something that we've lost there in all of our modern convenience. There's something that we've lost. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just something that we don't associate when we hear daily bread. And I think it's important to this image that Jesus gave us is there's something about having to come daily to get what you need, like that watering hole or, or whatever else. But there's something about needing something every day that I think that's really the key to this whole idea of what Jesus was telling us about. Let's say it out loud together, actually. Let's just, let's just say this. We must depend on God daily. One more time. We must depend on God daily. Whether we like it or not, we're, we're all dependent on God every single day. It's just we as his people, we, we are happy about that. We choose that as well. That we're making that a choice. But I think that there's this symbol of daily bread is much more than just he's going to give us bread or give us what we need. But it's, he's offering that relationship. He's offering that chance for us to come to him daily. Because he designed us for deep and ongoing and effective relationships with him and with each other. We were designed, you can read this in Genesis 1 and so many other places throughout the scripture. We were designed in the image of God. Every human being on this planet, no matter what they look like on the outside, is an eternal soul that is made in the image of God. And this image of God bears not only creativity and all kinds of wonderful other things, but part of it is a craving, a deep need for connection. Connection with God himself and connection with each other. And so one of the devil's favorite things to do is try to break up those connections. To disconnect us in any possible way he can. That's why it's so important that we reconnect every day. 
And there's so many rhythms in life that, that do this. I, one of my favorite comedians is Stephen Wright. Uh, I don't think a lot of people, anybody even remember Stephen Wright from back then? Okay, five or six, thank you. God bless you. A couple people. Kind of dry, kind of sarcastic, but it cracked me up. But one of the things he said, he said he had a friend who walked his dog all at once. He took him on this big, long journey. Then he hung up the chain and said, that's it. No more scratching at the door. Does it work that way? <laughs> you can't walk somebody all at once. You can't love somebody all at once. You can't feed somebody all at once. You can't give somebody enough sleep all at once. You can't give somebody enough spiritual sustenance all at once. You can't have a relationship all at once. Does this make sense? And God designed the whole world to remind us that we need Him daily. We need each other daily. And he's embedded that into all of the symbols and all of the things he's done. That's why he compares his people to a family, to a body, to a church building that's made up of a whole bunch of little stones all connected and centered on a cornerstone. Every image he uses to describe us is talking about connection. It's talking about teamwork. It's talking about focus and a shared purpose in life. Every lie that tries to break us down is trying to break down that. Here's the second big truth about daily bread. Let's say this one together. We must depend on God completely. Say that one more time like you mean it. I think you do. I just want to hear it like it's like, I want it to sound like you do. You ready? Here we go. We must depend on God completely. Now, again, we choose to depend on Him and when we do, we give him a chance to display his love and his power and his ultimate will. We talked about this for just a few, a couple weeks ago, actually, that God, in all his grace and all his mercy and all his wisdom and all his power, can make good come out of anything. Our worst mistakes, our worst sins, the most despicable, terrible things we do to ourselves and each other. God can twist that all around and bring that around and turn into something good. But that's not his ultimate will. You can look back in your life as a Christian and say, wow, God even turned that around. But you missed something if you derailed for a while. You missed what could have happened if you would have stayed focused daily on your heavenly father like we're remembering together is our purpose here can he make good come out of chaos and sin yes but imagine the good that he could make out of the stuff that's totally built on him daily imagine what could happen I think several weeks ago when I shared that I don't have time to retell the story but I told the story of Samson and man, this super strong, powerful guy that wasted his whole life. He's still in the Bible because God is powerful and gracious and good. And he still did some good things through him. But imagine what that story could have been if Samson would have been a godly man who daily synced his life up with his heavenly father. Imagine what your life could be like. Imagine what my life could be like if that is absolutely the driving force behind everything. When Jesus fed 5,000 men and their families, they were a little too shallow to get what was actually going on. Uh, they, the, the very, before that food had totally digested, they were already trying to manipulate him into feeding them that way every day. They were like, whoa, free food. That was good. 
Fish sandwiches, I could deal with this every single day. This is amazing. Let's do this again. So Jesus, um, we need another sign so we can, we can keep believing in you. This is the context of John chapter 6 where Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I want to read that one more time. Listen carefully and we're going to unpack this together. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I know I used to really struggle with that verse because I was like, I know everything in the Bible is true, but I still get hungry. I still get thirsty. I, 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 I not only get physically hungry and thirsty, but I, 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 crave, I want more out of life. I want more out of this or more out of that. I, I will never be satisfied. You know what I'm saying? That's the kind of thing a couple of people only, nobody got that one. Anyway, <laughs> I really do. I struggle with that. And so I, but now this is actually one of my favorite verses now because I get it and I hope I can help you get it if you don't. What Jesus is offering here is not an all at once solution. He's not saying once you come to me, then all at once you'll never be hungry again. Just that one experience is enough because that's not how it works. That's not how any of his symbols work. He's saying you're going to realize I am the bread of life. This is a daily thing we do. There is daily bread. I've got stuff for you every single day. And the rest of your life, you're not going to live in hunger. You're not going to live in craving, randomly looking everywhere. Where can I find what I really need? Because you found the place to go every single day. Does that make sense? Because that's how we set it all up. This is not a promise of you're going to experience this one thing and that's it. It's so good that one day that the rest of your life is okay. That's not what he's saying. He's offering a relationship. He's offering uh, that this is going to be something that not only meets our needs, but it supernaturally takes us places that we could never go on our own. The way that he is our daily bread is on a level that nothing else ever could be. In 1 Kings 17, the prophet Elijah goes to uh, King Ahab and Queen Jezebel and he tells them a message from God. He tells them that God is going to withhold the rain until further notice. Turns out to be about three years. And then he retreats into the wilderness. God had told him this would happen. So he goes out and he lives out in the wilderness alone. He lives by a little creek so he's got water. And every day these ravens bring him food, bread and meat. I'm sure he probably wished there was also some mayonnaise or slices of tomato or something involved. But he got what he needed, bread and meat, for about a long time. I'm not sure the whole, it's not the whole three years, but a big chunk of those three years. He's out there living alone and God is providing for him through these ravens bringing him food. Kind of a weird but very cool story. But eventually things get so dry that even that little creek drives up and God tells him to go to a place called Zarephath. It's nearby, but it's outside of the borders of Israel. And he goes, and there he is supposed to meet up with a widow and her son. And when he goes to meet up with them, this is a really weird thing. Because as we've gone over several times, one of God's heart values, one of the things deepest to his heart that he wants his people to be about is meeting the needs of widows and orphans, not the other way around. And at, the, at this moment in the story, the first part of the story, it almost seems like he's flipping the script there. 
But he's not, of course, because he's God. But he sends Elijah and he asks this woman for some food. And she says, you know what? We're gathering these sticks to bake our last meal. This is all we have. We're going to bake our last little bit of flour and oil. We're going to make some bread with it. And we're going to eat that. And then we're going to die. This is the end. This is what we've got. And he says, okay. But first, you need to bake me some bread. Are you kidding me? How incredibly selfish and what a terrible jerk move that is. That's just, what? But, it's what, but watch what happens. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. So now she's got a choice. I've got what I've got right here. And I can stop with that. I know already that that's only enough for one meal. I can tell this idiot to get lost, leave me alone. We'll eat this last meal and die like we planned. Or there's a chance that maybe this God of his might come through. Thank God she chose that. She baked bread first for Elijah, went back, and there was still enough for her and her son. And there was enough the next day. And there was enough the next day. This was a miracle. Listen to me. This was a miracle that happened every single day day for years how cool is that but that's a symbol of what God does for each one of us when we choose to believe in him when we choose to put our faith in him when we choose to throw our biggest fears and our biggest questions and our biggest frustrations and our biggest doubts and everything else that's just ripping us apart when we throw that at his feet daily we start to experience something that nobody else on this planet but his people who come to him daily experience. We start to find sustenance. We start to find something that gets us through in a supernatural way. But it's not just coming to him. We've got to dedicate ourselves to him. Let's say that out loud together. We must dedicate ourselves to him. See, to depend on him, it, it can be a choice, but it also, it's just kind of, you don't have to choose. You're gonna, you, you're, we're dependent on God whether we like it or not. But then there's this other level of dependence where we can choose to depend on him. We like it. We're happy about it. We're, we're excited about it. We're thankful for it. But dedication, that's something you have to do as a choice. You, you can't accidentally dedicate yourself to God or anyone else or to a cause you believe in. You've got to make a choice. You've got to do something. We can dedicate ourselves to him. And to do that, it's to him. Listen to the first words of Psalm 145. I will exalt you, my God, the king. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you. And extol your name forever and ever. Later on in that same psalm, I, all of these passages that I'm little, giving you little glimpses of, I hope you go back and reread them all. They're all in this right here. You can always reread that later online. They're already posted, I believe, and then will be posted again when this goes as an audio file and a posted uh, video later. 
But Psalm 145, a few verses later, it says this. The Lord is near, listen, the Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and he saves them. This idea of dedicating ourselves to God, this idea of coming to him for our daily bread, this is conditional for God to provide the way he wants to provide. Let me try and say that one more time. If you want God to provide for you in a miraculous way, you've got to be the person who's willing to fix a meal for the prophet first and see what happens. You've got to be a person who's willing to put other people first in honor of the God that you want to have this daily relationship with. If you want to be the person who God takes care of, you've got to be the person who calls on him in truth, who fears him because he hears their cry and he saves them. Is this making sense for you guys? Sorry, this is a little bit heavy today, but I'm just, I'm just laying out the truth and as lovingly as I can. This is, this is it. And in times like these, these are actually the perfect time to remember that when everything else has fallen apart, there is, we have access to some stuff that doesn't, to someone who doesn't. Here's another big truth. Let's say this together. God guides and provides when we trust and obey. That's something I hope you've heard many times and it's starting to be familiar. I hope you get how powerful this is. Let's say it one more time. God guides and provides when we trust and obey. This is why we keep coming together. This is why we keep coming together to pray together, to worship together, to read his word together, to take communion together, to give, to invest into his kingdom together, to tithe, to give extra offerings when he gives us that ability to reach out to our community, to reach out to those who are hurting, those who are lonely, those who are marginalized. When we do all of these things over and over and over again, this is why. We know that God guides us and provides us when we trust him and obey. He's not going to guide us and provide for us in a daily miraculous way unless we seek him and we come to him and we trust him and we obey him in a miraculously expectant way. God guides and provides when we trust and obey. This is, I hope you know, why our logo of it as a church is a bird. It remembers not only the story of Elijah that we just looked at right now, where God provides by sending ravens, but this truth that God provides and guides us when we trust and obey. It's why there's the bird and the whole thing is inseparable from the symbol of the Trinity. We, 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 can't, we have nothing without God. And everything we do, at least, is trying our best to make it symbolize, make it fit into all those symbols God has given us. Love and marriage and family and life and church and, and harmony and reaching out and taking care of orphans and widows and all of those things. It, it's inseparable from that connection that he built into us. The reason there's four feathers is because that represents that we're supposed to go and make disciples and baptize them and teach them to obey everything. Because when we do all the stuff he told us to do, when we trust him enough to obey him, that's when he guides and provides. 
We're going to say those things together one more time as we start to come around the corner and start wrapping up this morning. And as we do, go back through these. I, I want to give you a, a little bit of space. And at the end, I'm going to give you a, a little bit more space before we sing. I want you to be able to process this. I want this to be very personal to each one of you this morning. Because our individual trusts, our individual doubts, our individual fears, God is the only one who can handle all of them. And it's easy to say, hey, God can handle anything. But that thing that's just ripping you apart, that thing that's just tearing you apart, that thing that's disconnecting you from God and other people because it bothers you so much, it scares you so much, it angers you so much, it frustrates you so much, that thing, that's what God needs you to trust Him and obey Him about today. That's when you're going to see something amazing happen. Let's say this together. We must depend on God daily. When everything else that we depend on starts to crumble, when everything else that we take for granted, well, this is how life is. But people have, for years now in America, built their whole life around sports schedules, right? Right now, that's not happening, okay? That's just one example. I don't have time to go through it. You don't need me to remind you of all the crazy stuff that's happening. Camp got canceled for this next week. We've, uh, this is 29th year in a row I've been at Smoky Mountain Christian Camp as a dean. Last week was amazing. This next week isn't happening. But you know what's still there? Is God. You know what's not changing? This ability that we have to go to God daily and get something from Him, much more than just what we need to survive, but what we need to thrive on a supernatural level. That's still real. He's offering a relationship. He's not just offering food. He's offering a meal together. And there's a difference. Second one. Let's say this together. We must depend on God completely. We must depend on God completely. And this means the kind of trust where you actually take a risk. This last week at camp, I was so proud of uh, all the groups. I think every single person that tried the, that was there in a group to try the trust fall, they all did it. The, the teams just worked together and they actually trusted each other and were able to catch each other. That's a scary moment. That's just a weird feeling to be able to just fall back into a bunch of other people's arms and just trust that they're going to do that. But you never know what that feels like until you actually do it and they actually catch you. That's the kind of trust we're talking about here. But it's not testing God in the sense of how the devil told Jesus to test God, to jump off the temple and see if the angels really would keep his feet from hitting a stone. It's not that kind of testing. It's the kind of testing like God said, test me on the tithe and see if I don't throw open the blessings of heaven for you. It's that kind of thing where God says, no, if I promised it, if I told you I'm going to do this, Trust me in this. Watch what happens. That's when we experience it. Uh, there, there's a guy named George Mueller. If you've never heard of him before, you should look up his name. George Mueller, M-U-E-L-L-E-R. He was a famous missionary and guy who started a bunch of orphanages and a, great, a lot of great stuff. He lived his whole life just through prayer. He never once asked for money. He never once campaigned for anything, never once did any of the things we would take for granted that you'd have to do to provide for a bunch of orphans. He just prayed. 
And if you read his story, it's amazing. Day after day, after day, after day, God always provided. My own family experienced this in Papua New Guinea. There was a guy named John Stevens, among all the other people who used to um, support us as missionaries. This guy, he, he and dad worked out a deal because dad had promised God he would never ask for money. He'd just present the work and see what happens. And this guy, he said, no, I really need you to tell me what you need. And dad said, I can't do that. And he goes, okay, tell you what, you tell God, God will tell me. And I can't tell you how many times we'd get a check from John Stevens for exactly to the dollar the amount that something major needed to happen. Instead of a monthly random, randomly chosen event, it, we'd know. And a couple of times we'd get a check from him and mom and dad would look at each other and go, oh no, something's about to break. And sure enough, like within a couple of days, boom, and it was that amount. You don't see that kind of stuff happen all the time because we don't usually trust God on that level. Most of us don't. That's why you don't see the miraculous happen. So we have this choice. Let's say this together. We must dedicate ourselves to Him. Man, moments where it seems like everything else that we were used to, everything else that we trusted, everything else we took for granted is being questioned, is being torn down, is being eliminated, is put on hold, is being demonized. This is a moment for us as God's people to say, okay, talk to me. Let's fix the stuff that's broken. Let's do this. Let's actually fix the stuff that's broken. But you know what's not broken? The absolute truth of God, that Jesus Christ is the bread of life and the water of life. That is where we have to keep coming back to. No matter how nervous we are, no matter how scared we are of each other or the world or anything else, we've got to keep coming back there. And when we do that, Jesus said that's like building our lives on solid rock instead of shifting stand. One more time, say this out loud with me. God guides and provides when we trust and obey. I want to give you just a second. In your bulletin, there's a place where you can actually write something down. If you don't want to write it down there, put it in your phone or just pray it. But where are you struggling to trust God right now? What's the hardest thing for you? Each individual in this room this morning, each individual that's watching this at home or wherever else you're watching this, what is the thing that is so hard for you to trust God about right now? There's probably some common things. There's probably something that's the thing for you. Write that down. That's what you need to trust Him with today. For each one of you, and for me, I'm in this too. There's probably something that you're supposed to do or stop doing. There's probably some way that God wants you to obey Him. And you know that, but you're holding back. God guides and provides when we trust and obey. Write that down. How does He want you to obey today? And brothers and sisters, we're going to sing. 
We're going to make a commitment. I'm going to invite you, as we always do, to make your commitment public. If you feel so led, if it's the kind of decision that needs to be public, we're going to invite you to pray. There's going to be people back there to pray with you. Many of us would be glad to meet with you afterwards and pray. We're inviting you to make those choices. But whatever you just wrote down, whether you make it public or not, would you make that commitment again through song? Would you make that again? Would you, would you do something about it? Would you do it when you go home? Because if you do, God will guide and God will provide in ways that you can't imagine. And you're going to see this stuff kind of fade away. It's not going to magically make problems go away that are real problems. But you're going to be able to resync in ways that you never imagined with God himself. And the other stuff is going to make more sense or at least be okay. Let's make that promise to him together this morning as we stand and sing. That concludes the Sunday Sermons podcast. You can respond to the invitation you just heard where you are right now. Don't waste this opportunity to change your life for the better. If you've made a decision or are interested in learning more, please visit us at morrisonhill.com.